Hey family, it's good to see you. My name is Eddie, I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you for being with us, especially if you're new. Thank you for, for taking a Sunday and, and maybe getting to know us a little bit. I hope that, that you've been warmly welcomed and you feel connected. Uh, and for those of you who aren't know, new, I, I pray the same for you, that, that you would feel connected and, and hopefully you've encountered Christ in our worship. And uh, I just, I'm hoping that God is meeting you where you are. Well, family, we, uh, before we get into the word, I just wanted to thank you for your prayers. My family and I were getting back to uh, a level of health. If you didn't know, uh, Pastor, Pastor uh, Jim Critcher was here last week. And uh, he was there on purpose. He was, he was scheduled, bef- but it just so happened that I also ha- had the flu. And so I was at home because I didn't want to give you guys the flu. Um, and so that, that is uh, working through our family. So continue to pray for us. Um, but thank you for your prayers. Uh, also, we've been going through the, the Bible journey. And, and what this has been is really an opportunity for us as a congregation to read through the Bible together. And we specifically chose this five by five by five reading plan where we're going through uh, right now the book of Acts and, and we're reading about five minutes a day, five days a week with, with a few more ways to, to get connected with the word of God. And so my hope is that, that maybe if you, if you signed up for the text line, which will uh, we'll send you texts reminding you that this is the verse that we're, or this is the chapter we're reading today and here's some thoughts about that. It'll, it'll send some, some videos. We've made some videos that give a, an overview of, of this section and, and this section and this section. So you kind of have a, a way of, of orienting yourself as you read uh, the book. But, but overall, the big point that I want you to, to walk away from is that is it, it's important for us to read the Bible together. It's important for us to get into this word of God, for us to read it and allow it to change our lives. Is that good? Great. All right, sorry about that. Um, so two weeks ago, we started a, a, a series, a brief series on discipleship. And the idea is that really following Jesus is kind of the most important thing. And there are a lot of things that we can do in the world of Christianity. Uh, there are areas that we can focus on. There are programs that we, we can create, and you can serve in, in a thousand places in the church. And, and so you can begin to think that Christianity is attending church on Sunday, or going to this program, or being part of this small group, or, or doing this Bible study. And these are all important things. And, but at the end of the day, the, the, the central thing that we need to remember is that what Jesus has called us to follow him. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how following him meant following someone who was our Lord and, and someone who's holy and someone who's worthy. When we follow Jesus, we follow someone who's worthy of being followed. And today, I want to talk about the, the cost of this kind of discipleship. Now, the good news is free. The gospel is free to us. It's, it's an amazing privilege that, that God offers salvation to us through his son, Jesus Christ. There's, there's nothing that you and I do that we bring to the table where we say, okay, uh, my salvation is going to involve uh, your, self, your, uh, your service, Jesus, and, and my obedience. No, it's, it's wholly a work of God. And yet, we see in the Bible that the cost of discipleship is great. The benefit and, and the opportunity to follow Christ is free, but the cost of doing so is great. So we're going to read out of Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. So stand with me. If you're, if you're new, we read the Bible together, out loud, usually. 
Um, so we're going to do that now. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to, through 27. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father God, I, I pray that you would help us to, to, to correctly assess the weight and the cost of discipleship. And at the same time, God, I pray that as we consider Jesus Christ, our Savior, as we consider the one that we follow, we would say, it's worth it. Father, I, I lay my life before you and I ask that you would allow me, allow us to follow you fully. Show us that it's a little thing to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow. Because this is something that, Jesus, you did. And it's something that you allow us to do with your presence, not apart from your presence. Help us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is teaching, and he, he's, he's actually, if, if we were to back up a little bit, we have this interesting thing where he asks his disciples, you know, who, who did the crowd say that I am? And, and, you know, they say, well, some of them say you're a prophet. Sometimes, some of them say you're Elijah. <clears throat> and, and he says, but, okay, who do you guys say I am? And, and Peter confesses, you are the Christ. And in some of the other gospels, uh, there's, there's more conversation around this, but, but this is the confessional moment. This is the moment where Peter, at least in some way, shape, or form, it, you know, the other shoe drops, and he gets it. And then immediately Jesus or at least Luke phrases, frames it this way. He, he strictly charged and commanded them in verse 21 <clears throat> to tell this to no one, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and on the third day be raised. So Jesus basically lays it all out. Says, Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one, the anointed one, the, the king after David. And, he, and, and Jesus says, yes, also I'm going to die. And, and we find out later on that, that Peter just kind of, that went in one ear and out the other. He didn't quite get it. But, but Jesus is framing this. And it's on the heels of that confession. And, and then Jesus' proclamation that he's going to die, that he says this. He says it to everyone, not just to the disciples. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus is everything. I'll say it again. The cost of following Jesus is everything. He says, if you want to follow me, 
The first step is denying yourself. Now, there have been many movements in history that have, that have talked about self-denial and have given pictures of, of even, you know, self-hurt and harm, uh, of, of, a, of a belief system that would try and just say, you know, break yourself down. That's not what, what Jesus is talking about. He is, he's getting at the heart of our sin nature, which is to be our own God. And when we come to Jesus, when we come and trust in him, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm trusting in you over against my own ability to save myself. I'm denying that Eddie Barnes can do anything for good apart from God. I'm denying that that Eddie Barnes is able and capable of having a purpose that is meaningful and eternal apart from denying myself and following Jesus Christ. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, he first needs to deny himself. He's calling you and me to deny our right to determine our ultimate purpose. What, what do you want to be when, you, when, you're, when you're an adult, Billy? Jesus would say, well, ultimately it's not up to you, Billy. It's up to me. Doesn't mean that God doesn't put things in your soul and, and give you giftings and, and give you places where you, you flourish and you find out, hey, I'm, I'm really good with computers and mathematics and, and this is something that God has created in me. But there's an ultimate end to which he has made us that, that he's saying, if, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny your own ability to choose ultimately where I'm going to go. We deny our right to interpret our lives according to our own standards when Jesus says, come and follow me, he doesn't just say, follow me in action, but he's saying, follow me in the way I think and the way I assess. That means that just because I think that this is okay and this lifestyle is okay or this decision is okay does not make it okay. And just because I think that this thing is wrong or this thing is not appropriate or this thing isn't the way it should be doesn't mean that it's wrong. Unless Jesus assesses it and affirms whatever standard I'm, I'm putting up. Family, th- th- that's why we, we don't get to choose how we live. I don't get to choose how I live because I've given up my right to interpret my life according to my own standards. When you deny yourself, you, you, you give up the right to keep number one as first. You know, watch out for yourself. Watch out for number one. And there's so much of that, that language in our culture because we don't have a way of thinking about serving other people and caring for other people and at the same time uh, valuing the glory of God in an individual. So we usually end up falling in one of two pits. We either say, um, you know, sacrifice everything and serve these people to the detriment of your own self or we say, you know, treat yourself, you matter, you're important, don't worry about these people. And there's an element of truth to both of these things, right? Certainly if we're made in the image of God, and, and, and God's blessed us with life, and he blesses us with blessings, we're, we're, we're to enjoy those things, right? You and I have taste buds. God has given us pie. We're allowed to enjoy it. <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, he does call us to live a particular kind of life where it's not about Eddie. It's not about who, Eddie first. It's about loving God and, and thereby loving other people. We deny our right to keep ourselves at first. But this is, this is not an end, right? The, the Christian, Christianity is not, not, <coughs> it's not every, people walking around, you know, 
kick myself in the back. That's not the point. The point is not for us to just be Eeyore, right? Oh, the saddest person is the holiest person. You go first. You know, things are going bad. I guess that means God loves me. And, and maybe God loves you through difficult circumstances, but, but he does love us through difficult circumstances. But, but self-denial is not an end unto itself. It, it, he doesn't just say, if you want to follow me, just deny yourself. No, he says, <coughs> deny yourself and what? Take up your cross daily. Man, I thought it was going to get better. <laughs> he didn't say, deny yourself and, and come, come to the party. No, he says, take up your cross and, and maybe you, you're a good Bible scholar and you're saying, but Eddie, what does he mean when he says cross? Well, he means cross. He means the Roman implement for crucifixion. In, in, our, in our time, it'd be like, if you want to follow me, deny yourself and take up the chair and follow me. And that, that's kind of a macabre, dark picture. The reality is, in the Roman Empire, when a criminal was condemned, part of their condemnation was that they would carry, this is really messed up, they would carry the cross to the place of execution. And it was this whole dead man walking thing. And so Jesus is giving us a picture of what it looks like to follow him. And he's basically saying, if you want to follow me, Pick up the implement of your own personal death and walk it out. Walk out every single day. Because he says, take up your cross and, and follow me daily. Or, sorry, take up your cross daily and follow me. He's not just saying, you know, I want you to have a, a glorious martyrdom. Although, you know, many uh, early Christians especially, they did martyr themselves probably thinking about this. But he's talking about a daily dying to self that is different than a physical death. He's saying dying Every day, carrying this cross, walking as a dead person, such that you no longer live. I no longer live. It sounds familiar, right? It sounds like something that what Paul said. I no longer live, but who? Christ lives in me. Taking up the cross acknowledges that you're, de- you're dead. Your, your, your identity, apart from Christ, is dead. You know, I don't get to choose who I am anymore. I don't get to say, you know, I want to be this kind of person. I, I, I want to live this kind of life. No, I have to submit that to God and say, what do you want me to be, do, 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 and to be? Dooby, dooby, doo, sorry. <coughs> your purpose, apart from God, is dead. That is not to say well, you live without purpose, but it is to say your purpose is found not in yourself anymore, but in Christ. Your rights and privileges, apart from God, are dead. That is not to say that you have no rights or privileges, but it is to say that you take those to God and say, God, if, if you want me to have these, I'll keep them. But if you don't want me to have these, I won't. You know, husbands, when you marry that woman, you die to the right to be right. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that, that you don't have conversations and you don't honor truth, but it means that the end of the conversation is not who's right but it's who's sacrificially loving wives when you marry that knucklehead of a man which you chose to do most of you 
I mean, I know that we have some people from other places that, you know, there are different traditions, but most of you chose your spouse. You, you gave up the right to be right. And family, when you, when you follow Christ, you give up the right to be right. And you're called to love your enemy. You're called to love your enemy. Well, you know, Pastor Eddie, I mean, yeah, love our enemy, but not that much. <laughs> Jesus, I mean... Let's look at Jesus' life. He's on the cross. His enemies are surrounding him. He's literally bleeding out, and he looks at them and says, I don't like you guys. No. He says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's our standard. When we pick up our cross daily, we're, we're, we're dying to the right to be right. And he goes on, and he says this, follow me. You know, again, Christianity has a lot of elements, but there's a reason that he says, suffer the little children to come to me, because they understand what it looks like to follow the leader. Two weeks ago, I talked about the game, follow the leader, and kids will just automatically, if you, if you walk, social experiment, dads or moms, don't do this if you're not one of the kids over there, that would just be weird, but dad or mom, just go walk into the gym and kind of walk around the kids and maybe do a weird walk, and just watch them watch you and then watch the, some of them just come up behind you and just start doing it themselves. And, and you'll have a little ducklings following you doing the weird little walk. Because kids understand what it means to follow. That's how simple Christianity is. The reality is it's not, we don't fail at Christianity because it's hard. We fail at it because we don't want to do it. Myself included. Included. Oh, yes, I'll follow you, you Jesus. I'll, I'll read my Bible, but I, I don't want you to... I, I, we're going we're gonna to take an alternate route as it relates to this relationship. We'll get some more positive eventually, but right now, we're going to go this way, Jesus. I know your word says that this is what purity looks like, this is what fidelity looks like, but we're going to go this way for now. You know, Jesus, I, I, I want to follow you in everything, but the, when I'm able, when I, when I decide that I'm able... Because, you know, this is my money. Um, then I will, I will follow you with, you know, some of my money. But not right now. You know, God, uh, I understand that, that, that you want me to follow you in forgiveness. And, and I know Jesus died for my sins and he forgave me. But have you met my cousin? Have you met my coworker? Have you met this person? I mean, if, if you knew them, you'd understand why I can't quite follow you right now. I'll follow you eventually, maybe when they figure stuff out and they apologize, then I'll follow you. But right now, I'm not going to follow you. <coughs> he says, follow me. No caveat, no nuance, no qualification. Follow me. And then he walks straight to his own crucifixion. He, he walks, he doesn't walk, he, he doesn't walk into his kingdom, even though he's the king of kings, Lord of lords. He walks to his death and he says, guys, this way. And all the disciples are like, what, huh? I think he said it over here. I'm going this way. And Jesus is on the cross. He's like, no, I'm right here. And all the disciples went, cockroaches with the lights on, disperse. He says, follow me. 
Now, the reality is, is Jesus is not calling you and me to anything that he hasn't done. Right? I said the preceding, chapter, the preceding uh, verses, I'll read them again. Jesus says this, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day be raised. Right? That, that's Jesus' future. He's looking. I don't even know my future. But he's looking down and he's like, I'm going to die a horrible death after being rejected by everyone who loves me or I love and, and other people who don't love me and like me. And, and, and so this is not something where, where Jesus is saying, do what I say, not what I do. No, he's, he's paving the way for us. He says, follow me. Now, what if you're here with me and you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I, I don't want to be this kind of disciple. Yeah, it, what, I would like to just, how about this, Eddie? How about I'll just come to church on Sunday? And then on Monday, you just mind your own business. <laughs> and then on the following Sunday, I may serve. But again, if I don't, mind your own business. What about that? What if you don't want to be this kind of disciple? Well, Jesus answers. He says in verse 24, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Verse 25, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. The danger of trying to avoid this cost is the danger of losing everything. See, this is... God's economy is counterintuitive. For us, strong means strong, wise means wise, rich means awesome, poor means unfortunate. But what does Jesus say? What does God say? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this. Paul is speaking and he says, he said to me, Jesus was talking, or uh, Paul was talking to Jesus. Paul had had a thorn in his side, and he's like, please help me, this really hurts, it's bothering me a lot. We don't know if it's literal or figurative, the thorn, but he says this. God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now hear how ridiculous that sounds. I'm going to boast in how terrible I am at X. Man, I am a terrible public speaker. Glory to God. Right? This doesn't make sense. I am I'm really bad at, at math. Glory to God. God's his his economy is counterintuitive. For for God, his he is strong when we are weak. He doesn't wait for us to be strong to, to be strong. He he says, No, it's in your weakness that you're gonna see my strength. Now, we would like to say, no, God, I would like for you to make me strong, and then I can see your strength by making me awesome and strong. That's what I'd like. But he usually says, no, I'm going to show you how weak you are. And you're like, please don't. And he says, well, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> he says this similar thing in, in, in 1 Corinthians. He says in uh, chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, verse 27. Verse 27. 
But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what was weak in the world to shame the, tr- uh, the strong. God chose what was low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, God is not interested in, in how you think that things should be going. He's not interested in how I, man, do I know that he's not interested in, in how I think things should be going. He, he's interested in us seeing and appreciating that though it costs everything, we, we get God. The danger of avoiding the cost of discipleship is that we, we end up losing everything. You see, kingdom preservation, kingdom keeping, keep, kingdom saving, kingdom life happens when we let go. This is what's counter. It happens when we let go. Do you feel like you need God to do something? Then let go of control. Let go of the right to be in control. Let go of the right to, to determine the end, how this is going to turn out. Some of you, you've got a point A and you've got a point B and you're saying, God, I'm at point A and here's what I need you to do. Get me to point B. And God's like, no, I got a different point B. And we're knocking on the door. No, God, I, I, maybe you didn't hear me. I, I was kind of muttering, so I'll say it louder. This is my point B. This is my point B. And God, I'm omniscient. I know what your point B is, but my point B is different. And, and the reality is, is that we have to let go of our right to have control over our lives if we want to see um, God's work. You see, you and I, we, we can't save ourselves. Um, part, part of what's being addressed here is that, that we want to be able to receive all the blessings of God, but we also want to, to be able to be the one who wins, I want you to save me, God, and also I want to be able to attribute my salvation to myself. You know, I understand that I'm a sinner, but am I that bad, God? Am I that bad? I'm not that bad. You know, thank you for saving me. Let's get me out of hell. Okay, that's good. Um, and then I'll take over. He's like, no, 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 no. You, you either lose your life or you try to keep your life and you lose it that way. We can't save ourselves, and and the danger of trying to do so is that we lose everything. And what's the ultimate end of someone who who chooses to cling to his life? He says it in verse um, 25 and 26. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? See, the danger is that you and I, we hold on to the things that we feel like we need to have or control to such a degree that we fail to hold on to Jesus Christ. And you, you, can't, you can't hold on to both. Right? This is, this is the classic Warner Brothers Acme. You know, you're on a cliff, and, and the cliff is moving. I don't know why a cliff would be moving, but it's cartoons. Um, and and your, your legs are, are split across the two divides, and, and, and it's getting wider and wider and wider, and at some point, you're going to fall into the, the abyss or you're going to grab on one side. That's, that's the picture of us trying to hold on to Jesus and, and, and hold on to our self-determination. Uh, you, can't, you can't hold on to both. 
Either Jesus is your life or you're choosing your own life. And the ultimate end is that we, we forfeit ourselves. Because in the end, if we don't choose Jesus, if we don't acknowledge Jesus, if we don't receive Jesus, if we don't give our lives to Jesus, then when he returns, he will judge us. He says in verse 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into his glory. Now you might say, you know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of Jesus' words. But me as a father, if, if I tell my kids, hey guys, uh, I want you to go clean your room. And they go, and 10 minutes later I come upstairs and they're playing. And I'm like, guys, did you, did, did you, you despised my words. No, we didn't despise your words. We heard them. We liked them. They were nice words. I like your voice. You're my daddy. We just didn't obey them. And I would say, no, you despised your word, my words in action. You have shown me that, that, that my words don't bring glory or, or, or action to your life. And when we don't live in response, responsively to what Jesus says, when we don't honor him with our actions based on his words, we say that he is a shame to us. We're, we're effectively saying, what you said, Jesus, it's, I'm not really proud of that. Now, I'm going to live over here with this thing over here because I'm proud of that. And he says, if, if you don't acknowledge me, if you don't live a life of honoring me now, then I won't be able to honor you later. But there is hope. He goes on and says in verse 27, I tell you the truth. I tell you truly, there, is some, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So he's drawing a comparison. He's basically saying, if you don't, if you try to keep your life, you'll lose it, but, but and, and, and I won't be able to honor you if you don't you know, give me the glory that you do to me now. I won't give you, you won't experience my glory later. But he says, but there are some who are gonna experience the kingdom now. They're gonna experience it before they even, before they die. Excuse me. And if we look at this, it's, we're not really sure. There's a number of things that he could be referring to when he says, you know, experiencing the kingdom of God before they die. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to people around him. And uh, so he could be talking about his death and resurrection. You know, the power of the king expressed in the death and resurrection as, as representing the kingdom of God. They, they see him die and they see him rise again. That could be what he's referring to. Some of you are going to see me die and rise again beforehand and you're going to experience the power of the kingdom. Thanks. Um, he, might, they, he might also be talking about just uh, simply Pentecost. So at Pentecost, not only do we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, he ascends, but at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and, and the power of the, the uh, kingdom is expressed in the, in, the, in the Holy Spirit, giving utterance to people and them testifying to the glory of God in various languages. Perhaps that's it. It's also interesting if we look at this, stick with me guys. Um, if you look at this, the next section that Luke gives us is the t- transfiguration. If you're not familiar with that, uh, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain, tells them to pray. They fall asleep and wake up to Jesus gleaming in glory, talking to Moses and Elijah. It's trippy. But it represents something about God's glory, 
right? This is a moment where Jesus is said to be transfigured. He's, his, his glory, it, it shows. He's bright and shining. And, and so maybe he's talking about that. Whatever the case may be, Jesus is making a promise that, that when, his, when his disciples choose to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him, they will experience the blessing of the kingdom. Now, this is what's handed out to you and me. This is what's offered to you and me today, is kingdom life. And, and I wish I could give a good comparison, but any life that we can live, that we can manufacture, that we can establish apart from Jesus Christ is going to fail you. It's going to fail me. Anything that offers satisfaction or joy or, or pleasure or peace that is not founded in eternity like Jesus Christ is going to fail you, either, either soon or, or later in life. If we embrace the cost of discipleship, we, we get to experience the kingdom. We get to experience the, the provision of a king. When you, when you let go of your need to control your ability to provide, when you let go of, of the need to, to manage your money your way and not God's way, when you, when, you, when you begin to say, you know what, God, what do you want me to do with this money that you've stewarded, that you want me to steward? When you do that, all of a sudden, God's provision begins to flow and you find out this is what it looks like for a king to provide for his people. When you, when you let go of the anger and the bitterness and the sadness and you begin to say, Jesus, you have forgiven me and, and kingdom life means life that is lived vulnerable and, and open, then you begin to experience the reconciliatory power of God to, to bring wholeness and completeness and restoration where it otherwise looked impossible. And when you, when you let go of your own ability and demand to, to plan every aspect of your life, to determine the ultimate outcomes of your life, to fight tooth and nail that only this thing happens because I have to be in control. When you let go of that right, you open yourself up to the, the opportunity to experience the power of God's fulfilling purpose, which he planned in Ephesians that says this, before, and I think he means before the foundations of the world. God's prepared good works for you and I to walk in before the foundations of the world. If, if we will just, with open hands, say, God, what is the purpose for my life? What is, what is your plan for my life? Instead of saying, God, this is my plan, this is my purpose, you can't touch it. When you lay down your life for God, you have an opportunity to experience the power and the glory of the kingdom. Now, family, the good news is, is that Jesus made a way for us. He's not calling you or me to, to, to walk a path that's never been walked. Jesus paved the path for us in blood. He paved the path for us himself. This is, this is the amazing thing about Christianity is that God has come and he has lived my life. We talk about it almost every Sunday. Jesus lived the perfect life that I should have lived, died the death that I deserve, rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death and, and offering eternal life to anyone who would trust in him. But, but if you back up, he lived the life that I should have lived. That, that means that he has lived this life. He has denied himself and, and he wasn't following the son. Obviously, he is the son. But he was following the will of the father. Right? We see him in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, 
God, Father, if, if there's any way this could not happen, that would be great. Um, I would much rather not die a horrible, horrific death, but not my will, but your will be done. He prays it three times. He prays with so much uh, anxiety and agony that, that the capillaries on his skin are bursting and he's sweating and, and, and blood is coming. He, he understands, family, what it feels like to be co- concerned with handing your life over to another. He understands what it means to be concerned with uh, giving up control. But giving up control, family, to Jesus is infinitely better than, than trying to grasp that control for yourself. And if, and if you and I are honest and we look at our own lives, or I'll speak for myself, when I look at my own life and my own ability to control things, I'm not very good at it. And it's certainly a better, opportunity, a better option for me to let go and trust God with my life. We have an opportunity today, family, to, to follow Jesus Christ, to, to consider the cost, and it's a real cost. You can't half-heartedly follow Jesus. You can't, you can't casually follow Jesus. You can casually attend church. You can casually attend a small group. You can casually read your Bible. You cannot casually lay, lay down your life to the maker of all things and serve him. You either are or you aren't. But when you do that, you get everything. You get everything you need, everything you, you could ever have been created for.